Is the name of the father, the son, and of God, amen. Uh, I will just finish uh, what we have said last uh, time. We were uh, discussing the uh, uh, English uh, Bible, the history of the English Bible, and we finished at uh, uh, the new and the need for the new King James Version. After that comes uh, the uh, English Revised Version, 1885, and the American Standard Version, 1901. I will go really quickly through the section so we can start the lecture of today. Uh, English and the American committee were formed to review King James Version and the English Revised Version 1885 by the English Committee, American Standard Version 1901 by the American Committee, and then comes the American Standard Version. They used many Bible manuscripts were available at that time for the American Committee. Many archaism had been removed from the American text. American text is a more readable style than the English text. Some verse not found in the earliest manuscript were omitted. Examples the sign in the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, I mean, not found in the codex. The revised Standard version 1952, uh, the reason for this version is uh, inadequacies of uh, King James Version, failure of English and American revision to overcome all of this inadequacy, and discovery of new resource of knowledge like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Of course, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, we will take that uh, uh, in a few minutes. Uh, that happened in uh, 1947. Principle and the policy of the Revised Standard Version, modernization of the English, you to be used whenever Christ is addressed prior to his ascension and thou after his glorification. Lord to replace Jehovah. Old Testament to be based on the uh, Masoretic Hebrew and Aramaic text. You remember who are the Masoretes. Some Dead Sea Scrolls were available. And uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the first one, as we will take, was Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. Evaluation of this uh, version, its language is understandable, easy to read and clear. The translators were accused of modernism, unfaithfulness to original text, and of denying the deity of Christ. The problem with all this new version is Unless it comes, you know, when, when we were talking about ancient version and original version, those were done from the original. Later, when we look at all this new version, you may find some denomination and the effect of their belief 
on the translation. The revisers were also accused of denying the virgin birth, so it tells us that the revisers or the translators or the group were, talking, were uh, doing the work were more of Protestant than uh, uh, Catholic or Orthodox. Uh, it is a Protestant version, and because it is uh, republished with second canonical book in 1957, it is officially approved by the Catholic Church, and this was the only reason the Catholic Church approved this version. Recent English translations, those between 1960 and 1975, all are independent translation and no regards to the language or style of previous version. We have the New English Bible, 1961, in the language of the present day. All non-Roman Catholic are represented in the Committee of Translation. A sense for sense translation rather than word for word. You remember how good we said about the work of the Masoret or the Masoretic text, it's word per word. Even they were counting the letters. Some critics seen in rendering such as, you are Peter's rock and on this rock I will build my church. This is purely Catholic. Huh? So, they did eliminate some, so changing the, uh, uh, the passage. Uh, 1914, between 1914 and 1982 came the new Jewish version. And when we say Jewish, we are talking still about just the Old Testament. Published by Jewish Publication Society of America, 1914, Holy Scripture according to the Masoretic text. 1962, they came out with the first five books, just as the first five books, the uh, Torah. And then 1973, they finished the work with the prophets. And then, as we said before, that the Jewish Bible has three main sections. The Torah, you remember? Tanakh stand for Torah, Nebiyin, and Ketubim. The writing is the Ketubim or the book, 1982. Deliberate attempt to make the messianic prediction of the Pentateuch void of any messianic meaning. Example, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And that was a messianic prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ. They, they put they instead of he. In the original text, it says he shall strike at your head and you shall strike at their, again, change their from his here. All other uh, modern translations read his here. 
Jerusalem Bible 1966 is the first complete Catholic Bible translated into English from the original language, not from the Latin Vulgate, translation which satisfy both Catholic and Protestant. So many footnotes still and uh, second canonical books are found where they stand originally in the Septuagint uh, and the uh, Vulgate. They are not segregated, as we said, they started by segregation, the uh, Deuterocanonical book, and then they eliminated the Protestant. Now here, it's back, so that is why you can find new version with the Deuterocanonical book included. New American Bible, 1970, Roman Catholic translation, all original texts were consulted, scholars were Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish. And this would be considered to be good to get everybody in the same translation. Uh, the purpose was to produce a more accurate translation from the other manuscripts. Again, 1970, we had already all the dead uh, sea scrolls found, so uh, uh, those scrolls uh, give a lot of light about the Old Testament manuscript, as we will see. Its English is smooth and faithful to the original, but not in the word-for-word -word sense. It translated agabi, which means love by charity. And you can see that in some translation. Today's English version, 1976, they came good news for modern men, just as a New Testament, by American Bible Society, the purpose to use language that could be understood by any reader of English, regardless of the reader's education. Simplicity, readability were more important than literary quality, so that the version could be understood by person outside the church. In 1966, a New Testament was published at, uh, as uh, good news for modern men. A uh, very important new version, which is uh, the New International Version, 1978, by Christian Reformed Church and the National Association of Evangelical. Sound like it's more Protestant. And that is why we don't take it. It's, it's, it's an excellent version, but not used in our church. Not used in the traditional church. Hundred scholars from Canada, America, Australia, England, and New Zealand. Uh, the brackets are used for word not in the original text. No longer use, of course, uh, the thou the sign of the new uh, King Je of the old uh, King James version in reference to the deity of Christ. For Old Testament, modern edition of Hebrew Bible used and the ancient version were consulted. The text was both accurate and clear. The translation is one of the best. All-purpose Bibles available to English-speaking Christians. The Living Bible, 1970, the most controversial English version, uh, the work done by one man, as we said before, one man would not be 
good enough to do a whole work of 50 to 100 uh, person. The work done by one man, Kenneth Thaler, a paraphrased translation from the American Standard Version of 1901. At uh, uh, Zechariah 13.16, it rejected the messianic interpretation and in two footnotes relayed the passage to false prophet. It is a simplified Bible for children, not suitable for adult Bible reader. Style of the morning paper. Now I will go really quick through a guideline for selecting a version. You have seen a lot of different American, we are talking about uh, American Bible, and we have seen uh, uh, quite a bit of different version, different way of translation, different policy uh, set for this translation, different time of this version. Uh, so, It's hard to say which version is better than which and which version I can pick as a, uh, uh, as a Christian inside the church. So first point to look at is the textual basis from where the text is translated. Most of the uh, uh, first versions came from Wycliffe Bible, which was the first, if you remember, and that was from the Latin Vulgate. So again, it was a translation from a translation. It wasn't a translation from the original text. A New American Bible from original, living Bible from American Standard Version. It's translation from a translation from a translation. A good version should be translated from a Masoretic text, as we said, the, the Masoretic just did a copy, not a translation. So they copied the old to a new version, if you will. Uh, all the translation, Septuagint, uh, Aramaic, Syriac, Latin, Coptic, to correct the Hebrew. Number two, we need to look at the accuracy of the translation. Uh, how carefully and accurate have the original text been translated. A good translation should be as close as possible to the thought of the original writer, as we said last time. It's very important that the people who work on translation, even though they are expert in the original language, they need to go deep spiritually to find out the way the writer so, back when he wrote what he wrote. And not to be affected by his own, the translator, belief or feeling. And that is why using different denomination is not really quite as good as when you get someone who translated the Bible like Saint Jerome in the third or fourth century, any, any version came at the beginning regarding this accuracy would be a people who came from the first fourth century. Why? Because the church was one. 
right? It was one church, there was no Protestant, there was no Catholic, the church is still the unity of the church, so the doctrines were one. We have, as we said last time, two extreme policy, word by word, or thought and idea translation. While the translator, uh, the translator must be faithful to the original literal text, he also should be able to set forth the spirit of the text. The quality of English, very important that the English used is clear. Of course, a new version for everyone who just can read English is good. Is it good enough? We don't know. You have to go back to the original text if this translation was good. So the quality of English, simple, direct, in common English, and to be understandable to both the learned and those with limited education. Word of the Holy Bible should be dignified and reverent, and we should never use slang uh, language. Anybody has any question regarding uh, uh, this section? Sure. The Arabic Bible, where did we get it from? The Arabic Bible, uh, in Arabic, it's a Protestant. It's a Protestant. The, the Bible we use in the church in Arabic is a Protestant version. Uh, and uh, again, uh, Talking about the deuterocanonical book, we said before the Protestants were happy taking those books out after the Jews did. Any other question? Just to refresh, and remember you covered this, why were we upset that the Masoretes burned the original copy? Because having an original copy would help scholars to go back to the original copy, even though their work was perfect, but it deprives the scholar from looking at an original manuscript, an old one. But the discovery of the Dead Sea Scroll did, did correct this disaster, because it is considered to be disaster scholarly. Just another clarification, the KJV came out in 1660, and then an NKJV came out in 1882, and then another NKJV came out in 1982? Yes. So the one that's in 1800s, that was before the Dead Sea Scrolls? Exactly, exactly. And that is why you would find some difference after. Okay. Like, like all the scholars who used the Dead Sea Scrolls came out like they had more, yeah, more sources uh, to go text-wise. Okay. Today we are starting section four. We finished already section three. Those are three sections. Anybody remember this course has how many sections? So, uh, section four, we will talk about the canon of the scripture, which we did touch uh, during the first uh, section. When we talk about the canon of the scripture, 
we talk about uh, both Old and the New Testament. Here we will concentrate or we will focus more about the Old Testament. How do we know the right book are in the Bible? How do we know that the book we have is uh, is the right book and not uh, like in in the, with the New Testament there is a word called apocrypha. The Protestant used the word apocrypha for the deuterocanonical book of the Old Testament. Traditional church do not, I repeat, do not use apocrypha for the deuterocanonical book. And the word apocrypha meaning the hidden book. A book which is, or a list of book which is not canonized by the church. The Greek word canon, spell K A N, originally. WN, or you pronounce it as canon. Canon in Greek mean reed, R-E-E-D, or a measured rod. A measured rod. A reed back was used for in construction, and it's very tall stick, cannot bend it, and they used it to measure. It had to be unbendable, it had to be dependable to its straightness. So, coming to the word canonicity. Canonicity refers to the church recognition of the authority of the inspired writing. I'm not going to through the inspiration again. We've been through inspiration enough. But you have a lot of book back from the beginning. Who has the right to say this book is authentic, meaning those are God's word or not? Who has the right? The only place who has the right to say that is the church. Why? Because the church is responsible to keep the word of God safe. So, again, in Hebrew, it means read. The Greek measured rod. In English, canon with a C meaning law or rule or list of book. When we say canonical books, they are divine book, list of book of the Bible, authentic Bible books. Josephus, anybody heard about Josephus? 
okay? one, one big major historian, Jewish historian. Uh, this is one of his writings, for we have not an innumerable multitude of books among us disagreeing from and contradicting one another as the Greek have, but only 24 books. He's talking about what? About the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. You remember when I showed you how the Jewish Bible looked? We said it had 24 books, which contains the record of all the past time which are justly believed to be divine. It is true our history has been written Artexerxes uh, very peculiarly, uh, but has not been esteemed of the like authority with the former by our forefather, because there has not been an exact succession of prophets since their time. So the canon of the Old Testament among the Jews. Pre-Christian era, before Christ, all book of the law and the prophet were in liturgical use in synagogue. And we did discuss what is the difference between synagogue and the temple. You should know now. Anybody? What is the difference between a synagogue and a temple for the Jew? I did mention that. Uh, for, uh, no, I didn't. Okay. A temple, the Jew, yeah, go ahead. I, I can guess the temple is where they offer sacrifice. Very good. Excellent. The temple is the only place they can offer sacrifice. So, in the Old Testament, before Christ, till the time of Christ, no sacrifice to be offered except in the temple. The Jewish had only one temple. It was the tent during the time of Moses till King Solomon who built the first temple and remained this temple. And it was destroyed and rebuilt Ezra and Nehemiah hmm, during the time. And after that, uh, AD 70, as Jesus prophesied that it will be destroyed again. And since then, since the year 70 and the destruction of the temple, the Jews till today, they don't have a temple, so they don't offer sacrifice. So they don't worship. The only people on earth, Buddhism, Hinduism, they have places to worship. The Jews, during this 2,000 years, huh, till today, they don't have a place to worship. Imagine that. Synagogue is different. Synagogue is a place where they get together and they do prayers. Like, like we, we, we get together, any place, some elder come together and a group of people, you call it synagogue. So, they had the law and the prophet, also the writing, were regarded as sacred writing, psalm, were in liturgical use. The word liturgy or liturgical meaning, as-salat huh? al-jama'i, 
we use now liturgy mainly for our liturgy but uh, uh, the first century second century all the time of christian use the liturgy for any prayer where there is a bishop and the later priest of course because before we didn't have as many priests as we do now it was a bishop a bishop was the congregation represent a liturgy after the destruction of uh, uh, you know there, uh, there was like in the Jewish there was different uh, uh, sect or if you want uh, if you will denomination different denomination like they had the Sadducees the Pharisees if you read the New Testament eh? the Sadducees were mainly priests so the priesthood were the Sadducees. Now, the destruction of the temple happened 70 AD. So the Sadducees, which were before the year 70 AD, did faded after that, meaning they didn't have a temple, so you didn't need priesthood really, because you don't have something a sacrifice to offer and who i mean it was the sadducees that always against the pharisees why because of their way of interpreting the bible so the pharisees uh, uh, were of course bigger in number and they came the year 90 AD and uh, they had the council of Jamia Blahabi Magma Gamina or Jamina and in this council they did it's, it's like the church huh? they did this uh, uh, Pharisees did authenticate or came with uh, 39 book which we have now in the Old Testament. In three sections, Torah, Prophet, and Book. And here are the 24 book. Can anybody count 24 here? It's quite hard to see the 24. Torah, uh, uh, if you remember the first section, I did say Tanakh, every other letter represents a section. T for Torah, law, the book of Moses. N for Nebiyin, Nebiyin, Blahabi, and Bea, in English, prophets. And then K for Ketubim, or books, or writing. Can anybody see already the 24 book? You did. Torah, five, okay, and then? Former, former prophet and the little prophet? The the, no. Okay, Major let's count the Ketubim, how many you have? Psalm, Proverb, Job, Song of Song, Ruth, Lamentation, Ecclesiastes, Esther, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, one book, First and second chronicle. So how many use those? Eleven. 
11. Those are 11. So you have 5 Toha, 11 Keto Beam. How many left to make it uh, 24? 8. Very good. The 8, you can see the former prophet uh, Joshua, judge, 2, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd King. And on the later prophet, they put all the 12 minor prophets we have in one book, from Hosea till Malachi, and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the book of 12. Those are down former and the later prophet are in. Uh, why do we say that really the Old Testament to those books? We have them, of course, when, when you look at our uh, Old Testament now, we use uh, uh, those 24 became 39. How? It's quite easy. Uh, we, we have First uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, First King, Second King, Joshua, Judge, Isaiah. We have the 12 uh, Minor prophets, they are all, each one has a separate book. Number one, in the, when we say a proof of the canonicity or, or, or how the church or how the father, see, those, those canons are really from the year 90 AD. You can say that in the year 90, in this council of Gaminezai uh, came with the book which we use still till today. Jesus Christ and his disciple cited from the Old Testament, and we have many examples, you have it in your notes. Jesus and his disciple quoted from the Septuagint, and we know uh, the Septuagint was a Greek translation or a Greek Bible. Uh, which contained both Deutero and the Proto-Canonical book. When we say Proto, we are talking about this 24 or 39 book. When we say Deutero, we will come to the Deutero-Canonical book uh, later. Saint Jerome, who did uh, the uh, uh, Vulgate, the Latin version, did distinguish between Canonical and Ecclesiastical book. Saint Augustine did not recognize this distinction and accepted all the book in the Septuagint as of equal value. All the book of the Septuagint remained in the Vulgate till today. Deuterocanonical book in Judaism. And here, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scroll played a big role to prove that or to prove the authenticity of those Deutero canonical books. It's very important, those, those Deutero canonical will hear as far as Qanuniya Neglected, and by the way, our church, Copt are used, did use the, uh, the Deutero canonical book from the first century. It has been used in our church. Till today, when do we use uh, the canonical book? Any, anybody can tell me the reading? Uh, one way. Apocalypse. Ap Apocalypse, of course, but Lent. Lent in, in Lent, yeah. And I will come with a list of when we read. Actually, it's in your note. 
<coughs> yeah, you have it in your note from the book of uh, at uh, the end, probably the last three, two page. Uh, you, you have the time and uh, what, what we read. Chapter from the son of Sirah, uh, Tobias. Actually, we read the, the whole book of Tobias. Okay. It was neglected by the Jew in Palestine, and I did tell you the story how the Jew did take off this book. You know that the Septuagint, what is the story of the Septuagint and how we came with this version? 70 elder was hired by Ptolemy II, who was the governor of Alexandria, and it was done in Alexandria. And we know that at the beginning of the first century, Jew and the Christian did not really amalgamate or did not have a good relation. And that is why anything coming from Alexandria, which is the base, really, the beginning of the first theological college was in Alexandria. So because it was done in Alexandria, it was one of the reasons they eliminate those books. And again, we said that the Protestant who did publish most of the publication of the Bible, they were happy to take off this after the Jew. Now, after the Dead Sea Scroll discovery, of course, even the Protestant started to understand what are the importance of those Again, this deuterocanonical book did not have and do not have any thing to based any, any doctrine, any doctrine we have as a Christian, there is not one doctrine is based or taken from this deuterocanonical book. And that is why we consider the Protestant as Christian, as the Catholic, as Christian, as the Orthodox. Those are the three denominations, if you will, who are Christian. Anything else, even though they say we are Christian, they are not. Because they don't have the basic doctrine we have. We will go through all that when we come to doctrinal theology. So, the theory canonical book, I have three minutes. The theory canonical book in early church. Christian continued to read all the books found in the Greek Bible. All the Testament books are categorized in two main sections. The first section is a proto-canonical book, and those were collected, we said that before, by Ezra, the priest, when he was in Babel. The second section is the second canonical book. Ezra did not do collect in his books the second canonical book. It was done after Ezra's death. Traditional church considered the second canonical book as authentic and recognized them throughout the age. The early church father treated the two sections equal. Saint Jerome put him uh, put uh, them in uh, in the Vulgate uh, his translation uh, uh, Oregon of Alexandria did use them 
let's talk about the authenticity of the Dutiro canonical book. Of course, if you go back to your section one note, you will find what are the Dutiro canonical book. Number one, the, uh, this is in the fourth century, 393 AD, Council of Hippo. They decided its authenticity. Another council, Carthage, 397, regarded its authenticity. Uh, the father of the second, the third and the fourth century made equal reference in the book, Saint Athanasius. The apostolic made it clear that those books were useful in teaching and he quoted verses from them. These books were included in the canonical book in the apostolic canon, uh, accepted by all traditional church, Coptic, Byzantine, Roman. Uh, the Catholic Church determined the authenticity of this book again in the Trent Council, 1546, and the Greek Church considers this book authentic. These books were found in the Septuagint, as we said. They were found in the Coptic version. Uh, they were found in the Old Latin version, which is done before even the Vulgate. Christ the Lord mentioned the Feast of Dedication. Do you know what was the occasion of this feast? What the Jews celebrate? Tagdid what? Temple. Very good. So, when was the temple renewed? During which empire? Who is the king who allowed the Jew to go back and rebuild their temples? King Korah of which empire? The Persian. Very good. Excellent. Okay. So, Ezra, when they went back, hmm, during the time of Ezra, the king of Pers Persia did allow, actually he collected, he let the people, his people, collected money from Babel to take it and give it to the Jew, and and big, huge group was like, maybe 50,000 or so went back with Ezra to rebuild the temple. Of course, we know the story of rebuilding the temple. There was a conflict between the Samaritan they tried to help the Jew in rebuilding the temple, and the Jew considered the Samaritan as Gentile, so they refused their help, so they went and gave bad report to the Jew against a second king of Persia, and he eliminated or cancelled the order of the previous king, and and they stayed like 16 years in between till they rebuilt the temple. When they finished rebuilding the temple, came Judith the Maccabee, because the Greek Empire came after the Persian, the Persian Empire. So the feast found only 
this feast is found only in the book of Maccabi, which is one of the Deutero canonical book. And Jesus did say, you go first to the feast of dedication and I will follow you. Writers of the gospel made quotation from this book. We take a break. Five minutes. Okay. I will just mention uh, you, you have a short notes on uh, <coughs> Old Testament, what we call pseudo epigraph. Those are a key book. Uh, intertestamental Judaism produced a second body of extra canonical literature distinct from the Apocrypha and known as the Old Testament Pseudopigrapha or book written under a pen name. Eighteen book was written by Jewish people between the year 200 BC and AD 200. They were originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and have been preserved in Greek, Syrian, Ethiopian, Coptic, and Armenian. Although the collection remained outside the canon recognized in both Judaism and Christianity, those books were circulated and widely read uh, in the early Christian standard collection of uh, pseudopigrapha, we have legendary, the book of Jubilee, the letter of uh, Aristias, the book of Adam and Eve, the martyr dome of Isaiah. When you hear this book or you, you your hand fall on, on one of these books, those are not an apocrypha. Apocrypha for us is only, and we will come to that, those are non-canonical New Testament <coughs> book. A lot of gospel, the gospel of St. Mary, the gospel of Peter, the gospel of Judas, uh, uh, the uh, third letter of, uh, to the Corinthians, and the stuff like that, even the epistles. And those apocrypha, it is, it is not our topic here, but the apocrypha of the New Testament, um, Maybe we will, uh, we will study that when we come to the New Testament. Apocrypha in the New Testament was mainly book written by a group or a, a sect, a Jewish sect, who were against Christianity, called Gnostic, by the Gnostic. Gnosticism was really... Uh, uh, Arabi Ashab al Gnostics, they know everything, right? And they wrote this book just to uh, against the Christianity. And that is why it was good, as uh, Saint uh, Augustine said, it was good by this heretic, because those are all heretics. So it is good to study those books just to find out how the early church did maintain and kept the doctrine for us.
uh, apocalyptic uh, Enoch, the testament of the 12 patriarch, the assumption of Moses, the uh, Syriac apocalyptic uh, didactical, third Maccabees and the fourth Maccabees, those are in the deuterocanonical, those are two deuterocanonical books. Uh, poetical, Psalm of Solomon, <coughs> and uh, historical, the fragment of the Zadokai. Of course, they found more during the Dead Sea uh, discovery. So, so these books have stories about our Old Testament characters, uh -huh. about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Yeah. And do they say the same story, or do they say a completely different they story? Say, that is why we called it pseudo-pigrapha and not apocrypha, meaning those were used in the early church. The early Christian used, and it was read. So this means that it has some true story. It has other stuff which the church found out that it shouldn't be included with the camp. Okay, so, we start the section. Sorry, I'm still confused. So the Old Testament was extracted from the Sudigrapha? No. Or was it a completely different No, those are completely different, uh, separate books. And again, in the Dead Sea Scroll discoveries, I found more of those books. So why were they not canonized? I mean, is there something wrong about them? Those are good, good book to read, but they are not canon. They are not canonized. When the church include a book in the canon, meaning they believe that 100% of this writing is the word of God. This is the meaning, really, of the word. Say some writer did add, like included some story from the canonical books, hmm, and add on it or delete from it, then it is not canon anymore. So you cannot. You can use it for teaching, but you cannot use it as a word of God, because Jesus said not even one jot, not one point. He was talking about his word. Well, how can we know that for the books that are canonized? Hmm? How can we know that that didn't happen in the books that are canonized? It, it, yeah. again, I, uh, So how can we know that the, the, author of the book, maybe just didn't add something. How did we know? It's the church. It's the church who did decide that. It's the church. There is always, like like the council of, uh, of uh, uh, Jamina, huh? <coughs> first council, this council put all this book as ca canon. Later on, it was the first church during the first, second, third, and fourth century who kept this book as canon, like the book of the New Testament, the canon of the New Testament, is done by the father of the church in the second century, not the first century, because till the end of the first century, still we didn't have uh, uh, the book of Revelation, we didn't have the Gospel uh, of St. John. Those were done in the year 146. They found a manuscript done by the early father, and it was the early father who decided to. And again, 
it is only the church who have the right to canonize or not canonize. It's the only the authority to authorize, to make it authentic. You tell me why the church, why not outside? Because the church is the, is the house of God. It's, it's, it's God people. Uh, biblical archaeology. This is a short section. Hopefully, we will finish it tonight. Uh, I will go really fast till I hit the Dead Sea Scroll and we take the Dead Sea Scroll in a bit of detail. What is the aim of archaeology? Uh, or, or what is archaeology? Anybody can give me a definition of archaeology? Okay. Okay, and you do study archaeology by doing what? Going back and look, anyone else who has a definition for archaeology? The word archaeology. They did. That's very excavation. Very good. Excellent. You got the word. Okay. So, biblical archaeology, it is the study of Bible land based on excavation, meaning you dig down deep. Now, why do we study Bible archaeology? It has nothing to do to say we study Bible archaeology to prove that the Bible is true and those stories inside the book of the Bible are really true and happened. Now, the Bible is not under trial or something like that. However, some scholars in their archaeology book make it seem like we study archaeology just to prove that uh, 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 Noah's Ark is true. It, it happened. No, this is not the main goal to study archaeology. But studying archaeology in the Bible open doors to do more of Bible study, to understand how this happened and to, to, to understand the story when we read a story. So discovery may provide valuable background to biblical study. First, flood stories. Uh, you have the discovery of what we call a Shurba Nibel library that was a king of uh, of uh, Assyria, Assyria uh, Ashur, 7th century BC at Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. Anybody knew that before? Anybody knew that Nineveh, we fast, Jonah fast because he did go where? God sent Jonah to where? To Nineveh, hmm? Ninawa. Anybody knew that Nineveh is the capital of Assyria? Nobody. Okay. When Jonah went and preached, 
Tuni Neva, the book of Jonah, tell us that he did succeed in his mission, and the people did fast, and they did repent, right? They did repent, but the problem is they didn't kept repentance. So they were taken later by whom? Assyria fall under which empire after that? Anybody know? You guys, I will make it easy for you. In the history, we have different empires. Okay, the first empire was the Egyptian empire. After the Egyptian empire came what? Syrian after the Egyptian? No. Abli Babel. Assyria. Ashur. You did say. <laughs> okay. Okay. Assyria is, is Ashur. Okay. And then came Babel. And after Babel came? No. Uh, Persia. Yeah. And after Persia? Greek. And then Roman. And then? America. Of course, it will fall, right? Because it's it's one empire after the other. No, no, no empire remained uh, for as long as uh, uh, hundred, two hundred years. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and the Nineveh had huge population back during the time of John. Nineveh, when they repent, they did came back strong for a while, till. They ruled the whole world back then, and then came Babel, the following empire. But this discovery, uh, uh, there was like 20,000 clay fragment, which prove the place where Nineveh was, and which prove some of the story of the flood. You can read that in detail in your note. A guy named George Smith, 1872, working on this 20,000 clay fragment at a British uh, museum and uh, discovered the Assyrian flood story. Uh, the conquest of Canaan, don't have it here, yeah, the conquest of Canaan. Tell Amarna letters, uh, the Israeli conquest that was during which time? Who did the conquest uh, of Canaan? Who did enter Canaan? Moses. Moses uh, could not enter the land of Canaan, right? He died right before he entered. And uh, Joshua took the people in. The discovery, this discovery, 1887, 300 clay tablet found in Tel Amarna, south of Cairo, by an Egyptian woman. And in, uh, and by the way, they found in this letter what proof that Pharaoh back, Pharaoh, the Egyptian Pharaoh, Canaan was under him. Like the governor of Canaan sent a letter to Pharaoh, asking him 
for a help because he got invaded by what he called in the letter Habira, which translate into Hebrew. So the Hebrew were invading, invading uh, Canaan. Most of the letters were from a governor appealing to Pharaoh for immediate help. The destruction of Canaan found signs of demolished the city at 13th century. Layer of ashes discovered in the location of Debir, Eglon, Hazor, all this uh, in Canaan. Kingdom of Solomon in 1925 discovered the fortress of Megiddo. Megiddo was built by King Solomon. An entire city used for government purpose uh, that was 10th, uh, 10th century uh, BC. They found a very large stable which can carry like 450 horse. Many objects of great beauty show the great wealth of King Solomon. The Elephantine Papyri, 1903, all the documents in Aramaic were discovered on the island of Elephantine at the first uh, cataract of the Nile in Egypt. Egypt was under the authority of Persian during the fourth century BC. Some letters, some letters uh, tell us about uh, anti-Jewish uh, persecution and the destruction of Jewish temple by the Persian. That was 411 BC, the first destruction of the, uh, of the uh, temple. One document mentioned Yahoo, the god of Jews. The discovery gave us background about the Ezra Nehemia period. City of Ur, which is Abraham, you remember Abraham originally is from Ur of Kildinian. Hmm? That's when he was called the first by God. A buried city discovered in 1922, 19, as you can see, all this discovery was like last, we are in the 21st, but was in the 20th century. So God kept all this archaeological discovery, all this period, for a reason. Why would it discover why God did not allow the discovery of uh, the Dead Sea Scroll, as we will see, for almost 20 centuries? Why? Why it was not allowed to find these scrolls back during the heresies of uh, St. Athanasius during the time of the 3rd, 4th century? It was kept safe till the 20th century. Anybody could guess. There must be a reason. For instance, <coughs> those scroll, if it was found back in the 4th century, exactly, this is number one, could be misused. Now, during the 20th century, we have the technology to deal with this scroll. Those are chemical. Like, like, if you touch them, could never stay till our time. But there was a reason to be kept. As we can see, you will not believe when you, you, you look at the scrolls found in the Dead Sea Scroll, 
20th century and was preserved as if it's written yesterday. So, Ur of Chaldean, Ur located at Euphrates River, this is where is Iraq now. A buried city discovered in 1922 uh, to 1934. The discovery provided us with knowledge about religious and moral life in Ur at 20th century BC. Ur was the center of the worship of the moon god. Abraham was surrounded by adultery. They tell us more about how Abraham left his people and their gods and went after. Let us how how the faith of Abraham was. God called Abraham to get out of Ur. Ras Shamha tablets, hundreds of clay tablets were discovered in the city of Ugrit, uh, Ras Shamha, North Syria. The discovery provided us with background knowledge of 14th and 15th century BC religious and moral life. All those discoveries pointed out about religious and moral life and how people did commit a lot of bad stuff, whether they knew if it was against God or not, but it's moral. It's something like any person with religion or not, it's like what they are doing now, cutting the head of people. This is, this is worse than what was bad in the 14th and the 15th century BC. And it tells us, because there is a lot of people saying the God of the Old Testament was an unfair and an unjust God because he would let his people go and kill other people. Of course, when we all these archaeological and tell us how these people uh, uh, lived their life, they deserved that. It was a punishment to them. The Phoenician had immoral goddess <coughs> and a great mixture of violence and the lust in Ken. The discovery gave us explanation of the purpose of extermination of the people of Jericho by Joshua. When God told Joshua to go in and don't let even animals alive, hmm? God did that because he was so patient with this nation for centuries. God would, would wait and be patient for centuries till punishment comes. And the soul's extermination of the souls, uh, this is uh, not soul, uh, souls, uh, uh, the apostle, no, this is souls, uh, the first king of Israel. Did you hear about the, the foundings of uh, sulfur oxide with, uh, when Sodom and Gomorrah was burned? Yes. That they actually, yes. they were able to light the yes. fire? Yeah, yeah, it was in the fire, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. It was not a question of destroying innocent people. 
it was a question of destroying or being destroyed, separating or being contaminated. And this is tell us that God is fair. His people would be terminated by these people if he wouldn't help his people. At the same time, would be contaminated like uh, Lot in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He was contaminated, all his uh, people. Or uh, uh, it could be a punishment from God for these people because there was no use, like these people did not, would never repent. Ni never, I mentioned the Ni never, Ni never did repent, but for a while. And God was patient with them again till it came time. And when we read the book of King 1, King 2, we find out how uh, uh, these Assyrian people treated uh, the Jew, and there was time for them to stop. There was time for this empire to fall, and they did. <coughs> City of Jerusalem, it's a, a very... Sorry, quick, quick question. Um, so if God thought like this back then, would you, um, would you think that he would do that if he saw that um, like the people here or like a city would not repent? Would he repeat the same action in the Old Testament or that, that would be the God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is the same. And from the Bible, we can learn that. That God is so compassionate, but God is tough. And it's fair. You cannot say it is not fair. It is fair. God gave you rules to follow. He is the creator. You, 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 you cannot stand and say, no, I'm not going to fall. But he is compassion. You fall, he knows that you are weak. You stand. Nineveh did fall. When Jonah went, they did repent. They did listen to Jonah. They knew that there is God who will punish them. Again, they did fall. And God is so patient. When you read the story of these people, even who lived in Canaan, for centuries and the proof of that god when when his people went as in slavery for 400 years in egypt under the egyptian they slaved them from the beginning god told abraham you will have your descendant going to a land which is not there, and they will be slaved for 400 years. It's written in Genesis 15, for 400 years. But their time will come, and God will punish the Egyptian, and he did. So, so the, the, there is a limit. You, you, can, you, can, you, you have your whole life to repent if you don't. So it's the same with the nation. It's the same. And the God treated the people the same way. He punished his own people, right or wrong. He punished his own people. You cannot say that the Jewish people did have a smooth life all the way. When they fall, he punished them. When, when they fall, he punished them. And then when they repent and come back, he takes them back. In many situations, from Moses out of Egypt, 
Third day, they were praising God, and then Moses went 40 days, he came back, he found half of them worshipping the cow. Right? They went. The upper, the northern kingdom did fall in sin. All the kings were really bad, and the people followed the king. Hmm? God put them in exile under the Assyrian. Then came the southern kingdom. They went 70 years under the Babylonian Empire. So, so it is not because they are God's people they should do whatever they want to do. The Red Sea Scroll. Very interesting discovery and we will finish by going through the Red Sea Scroll. You remember when we spoke about the Masoretic and we said they were uh, and how important is the Masoretic text because it's a copy of the original? And we said that the Masoretic deprived us from the original manuscript. The Masoretic lived, <coughs> or uh, they were between the year 500 and uh, so between the 5th and the 10th century. And that is why, if you remember, we didn't find any manuscript of the Old Testament before the 9th or 10th century. The New Testament, we did find some scripture, some manuscript from the first, second, and the third century. But the Old Testament, there was nothing in hand manuscript before the 11th or 10th century AD, not BC. Even though we said that the Bible was written from Moses, that's 1500 BC. And we said, why? Because of these Masoretic people who took all the old manuscript and destroyed it in good intention. Till the year 1947. Location, Qumran, west side of the Dead Sea, south of Jericho. Very important discovery, very important. It carefully Carefully, they found the sealed jar containing a leather scroll wrapped in linen clothes. I tell you the story. A Bedouin, a boy, living in the area, like he lost his goat. And he was walking around looking for his goat, and he found a cave. So he took a stone and thought that when he will throw it down, he will hear his goat. Now, instead of hearing the goat, he heard a kind of explosion. He said, wow, there must be something in, might be gold, a treasure. So he went in and found the first pottery. It was like a pottery. Mm -hmm. And he opened and he found a, this a scroll, leather, and wrapped in leather. He took this scroll and went to, uh, to a priest or a bishop of the area 
and the bishop bought from him the scroll for like <coughs> 25 uh, pieces or whatever. Hmm? And the bishop took, took it and sold it to the American, and the American sold it. Of course, he sold it to the American for like $250,000, something like that. And then uh, the American government sold it to the Jewish, the Israeli government for like uh, $25 billion or whatever. Uh, but the first scroll found in the first cave was the book of Isaiah written on a scroll measuring 24 feet. Original writing. Original. In what language? Hebrew. Hebrew. Wow. Original writing. That was the first discovery. Of course, uh, the Israeli government started to sent a teams and they opened and you have the number of cave I think it was like 14 caves complete manuscript of the Hebrew text of Isaiah. Now, what proof the dating of this manuscript? Of course, they did uh, what we call radiocarbon count. Radiocarbon count to find out the material of the scroll or the linen which is covered the leather to find out the dating of this material. This is one way. The other way is paleographic evidence, meaning some scientists who are expert in the way of writing, the ink used, and so forth. And they found that this manuscript is dated 125 BC. And here is a picture of uh, Qumran uh, caves, the area. Do you want the previous one? Do you see the cave? Here uh, is a pottery found and uh, a scroll. And uh, the weird thing is that this scroll was preserved for 20 centuries as if it's a brand new. I tell you the story how, how this went inside the cave. There was what we call the Essene 
you remember we mentioned Sadducees, Pharisees, we will, we will talk about that when we come to the history of Israel, but there was different sect. The Essenes were people who did not marry, lived by themselves, independent on anything they did, everything, like, like the monk now. Hmm? And uh, uh, it was said that uh, John the Baptist was one of those Essenes. Hmm? Like, and this is seen during the uh, Roman Empire, and the Roman were against the Jew. Hmm? They were living in this area, and they, for them, the, the, the scripture was very important, and they were scared that those Romans come and they take this scripture. So they did put it in those pottery and hide it inside the cave. It remained all this year because they wanted to capture the word of God in a safe place. The good thing is that this area, when you read about it, it's a dry area, no rain. They don't get much rain or not even rain. And that's how it kept uh, its shape uh, all this year. Uh, this is a copy of Isaiah manuscript. Uh, it's hard, of course, but you can see here a Hebrew writing. So, <clears throat> the parts that were damaged, they just... How, how did they... When when you when you look, uh, still you can you can make up right. As, yeah, assume yeah. What, but but what you 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 have other manuscripts. Yeah. Hmm? Especially when you're it, you're gonna cheat. I'm gonna correct. Those fourteen caves, they found uh, they found uh, thousands and thousands of manuscripts and the fragment of manuscript. Uh, the most important uh, finding were in cave uh, 4 and uh, 11. So, we did mention the story, and uh, uh, cave 1, five scrolls were sold to the Archbishop of the Syrian Orthodox Church in Jerusalem. Who sold them to the USA state and uh, then went, uh, went to Israel? Uh, three scrolls uh, were sold to a professor of the Hebrew uh, University. Other cave archaeologists found the 14 cave. The good thing is we did find the manuscript of the Deuterocanonical book, which let the Protestant in after the year 1947, go back and say, hey, those books should have been included. <coughs> and that is why some of the new version, newer version, you will find, as we said, the theocanonical book in its place. This is the two method uh, to uh, put the dating. What is the significance? Thousand years older than the oldest known manuscript. It took us 1,000 years back. It agrees closely with the Masoretic text, because we said how 
accurate and meticulous were the work of the majority. And to the Septuagint, scholars now have tools for establishing a more exact text of the Old Testament. It provided significant information concerning original text of book of Old Testament, Babylonian, Palestinian, and in Egypt. Uh, a scholar now able, this is very important, from the Old Testament manuscript, scholars were able to have more accurate date of the writing of the New Testament manuscript. For instance, now we say the synoptic, after this discovery, we say the synoptic gospel between the year 60 and 65. We know that first gospel was written is people who study New Testament. Mark. First gospel was written, even though Mark is not placed as the first gospel, Matthew is, and this is coming through the Holy Spirit, because Matthew links the Old Testament with the New Testament, number one. Matthew wrote for the Jew. Jew prophesied about Christ and come Matthew gospel. Matthew is the gospel of the king, when you, when, you, when you study Matthew, when we will study Matthew, you will study the gospel of the king, the birth of the king, the crown, putting the crown on the king, his baptism, and so forth, the, the law of the king after that, and so forth. So the book of Matthew had to come before Mark and Luke. Of course, when we say synoptic gospel, we speak about Mark, Luke, and Matthew. John is not one of only, only three synoptic books. The word is synoptic. Anybody knows what is synoptic mean? Yeah. Actually, you have to read the three, the three gospel are considered to be written in the same way, and there is a lot of uh, miracle or uh, 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 which is mentioned in the three gospel. But in so when you read them, you you have to read the three gospel together. Really. This is why it's called the synoptic. Uh, again, this discovery uh, tell us that John's gospel end was written end of the first century. Some people were saying before that, that uh, the Gospel of uh, John was written 150 uh, AD. John did die before the end of the first century, or at the end of the first century. Uh, the book of Hebrew before the year 70, definitely because year 70 was the destruction of the temple, and the book of Revelation end of the first century or even a little bit before that. What did you this way. 
God was with his people, exile and restoration, in the land of their exile. Yeah, you know what? This doesn't belong here. That is why. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Anybody has a question? Go ahead. This is a problem now because this would prove to the Jew that uh, uh, this ferrocanonical book was taken off by them. Actually, it's a proof. But what would they say? It's quite clear. As we said, they didn't like Christian back then, and they found that it's work done by Christian, and that is why it was taken off. That's the only reason they took it off. The Jew used the deuterocanonical book back in their synagogue. So it, it, it was there. It, it, it was there till the Septuagint, and during the Septuagint time, it was done in Alexandria, and of course, first century, when Christ came, they didn't like to have Christ cited from the Septuagint, so they did take off this deuterocanonical book. 